This series was supposed to start in January. It got started last week. So uh, if you feel like you've been out, uh, you're, you're, you're close to uh, finding out uh, what, we're, what we're all about. Um, I, I want to encourage you to, it takes us a while, we did this last week, it takes us a while to get through some of the preliminaries of the sermon so that we have the foundation laid, but I would love for you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, those are the, the verses we're going to concentrate on this morning, but we're also going to hit a number of other verses and be in a number of other places as well. The question is this, how do we live in the Holy Spirit? How do we know we are walking? Paul in Ephesians last week talked about walk in the Spirit so as not to be distracted by the world. That's a kind of a paraphrase. Also, while, since we walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Both indicate an action on our part in which we uh, come together with God and we cooperate with what God is doing. We move at God's pace and we go where God goes. And we, we kind of started with that last week. How would we know that we are in the Spirit? Some would say or think by our success. And if we're successful, then we must be in the Spirit. Such things as, well, this feels right. Um, things are going well right now. Hey, attendance and offerings are up. Um, things seem to be going the way we want them to go. What does God consider successful? found uh, uh, three interesting passages that I just want to uh, give them to you. The first is found in Matthew 5. And, it's, and, and this is Jesus' list of successes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and righteous, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Doesn't sound like my success list. I don't know about you. Paul chimes in with this very, very quick verse to Timothy who's worried about his church and his own personal ministry and are we walking in the Spirit? Are we getting there? What's going on? And Paul is, is trying to open this to this young pastor and just basically then says in verse 12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Okay, take a breath. It gets better or worse depending on where you're at this morning. James, the brother of Jesus, says, they both had the same mom, so I know where this is going. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you, and, and I'll include the sisters, we need you, uh, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. And we're going to talk about maturity today. And complete and lacking in nothing. If you lack any wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to them. 
Isn't that a wonderful, just a sideline? I can't read, ever read this verse without reminding us that God doesn't find fault in our neediness. I just love that. When you're all broken up and it's all not going well, most of us, the last thing we want to do is tell someone that we're all crumpled up inside. We kind of want to, you know, figure it out and show up at church and be okay. And God says, I find no fault in your neediness, your lack of wisdom. If you don't really know where to go and you're about ready to fake it, I'd just soon you ask me and I'll give, finding no fault. And, and, and that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning as, as, as we look at this passage. You see, living in the Holy Spirit has much more to do with living God's will and growing in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, the Father and I are one, and I'm inviting you into that relationship with the Father and I. It's more about doing God's will and growing in Jesus than achieving our ministry or our personal goals. I want to say that again. It's more about being with God than somehow gaining ground on our personal or spiritual goals. It's, it's, in that, it's in that living. In fact, Paul would go on to say, we die to ourself and our self-will in order to live for God. Jesus would say, pick up your cross and follow me. Not only did Jesus say he was one with the Father and invite us to that relationship, he says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. We're talking about the ability to be sent children of God. I, I love the fact, well, I, I, I love the fact that God gives us do-overs, right? You know, I mean, isn't that a great thing? And that we can, we can live in, in a world in, uh, of do-overs. And what God wants us to know this morning is that if, if we're going to be sent like Jesus, then we have to have all that stuff that Jesus had. And he wants us to, to, to have the sense of that and, and the joy of that. You see, the gifts and fruits of the Spirit, as we found out last week, are not only gifts, but they're graces. And we do not learn or earn these skills or ability. They're given to us because God is sending us. I rather like to think of the benediction as you being sent. If nothing else, to use a well-worn football analogy, even though we're out of the season now, this is really the huddle. The play happens after you get out this door. And you get to your jobs and to your homes and to your neighbors and to people whom, whom there are no accidents in which God is setting you up to be with so that they can hear something about who God is. I heard it over prayer this morning already. He who began the good work in you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. Unless we're kicking and screaming all the way. Right? That somehow all of this is drawing us to a place where God wants to, to work with us. So last week we started, and I'm going to do this. It may look confusing on your outline. I'm not sure how it ended up finally. But last week we did one and two of these two truths. So maybe your outline says three and four. I don't know. But 
but just to catch us all up, last week we talked that, that, that truth number one, basic, the, the major truth of the spiritual gifts and the fruits, number one is this, believers receive the Holy Spirit, including the gifts and the fruits that are to be given with that. That that's something that happens to a child of God. It's just, it's in you. It's there. We're talking about how to discern this. And, and truth number two that we talked about last week is every believer has at least one gift. Okay? There is something that God wants to be doing and, and making happen in your life. And it's there. It's for us to find that, embrace that, and use that spiritual gift. Uh, this is not just for the Christian Green Beret. This is for garden variety folks finding out who we are and how we're doing that. So this morning... Truth number three, no one receives all the gifts, okay? Now, um, it, it, it could be that, that some have more gifts than others, and there's a reason, a holy reason. It's not a reason that I can figure out. But at least we get ourselves stuck in, in either some kind of pride or some kind of absorption in this thing that it, not everyone gets all of the gifts. And then number four, no single gift is given to everyone. So, so let me just read Paul on this and then just say a little bit more. And then we're, we're going to get a little bit closer to where we're going this morning. Now, this is, this is out of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. Now, you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. It's just stated. You're not a part of it until you get, you're, you're here. And in the church, God has appointed first uh, of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. This is a list of many lists of the gifts in the Bible. Those having gifts of healing, those with gifts of helps for others, those with gifts of administration, those with gifts of speaking in different types of tongues, um, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do they all have gifts of healing, do they all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. To claim to have them all is, is a problem in, at, at one point, but, but there's a second problem, and that is to say that uh, one single gift is given to all. Some some fellowships have talked about like a sign gift. Um, if you don't have this gift, then that means you don't have any of the other gifts, right? Um, these, are, these are twisted ways of looking at the gifts of the Spirit that go all the way back to the first century when Paul was writing about it. So it's natural that they would raise up. But what we need to know as the people of God that there isn't a sign gift, there isn't something that, that everyone has so we all know we're part of the club. There is the gifting of God's grace to our lives and that everyone owns a share in that and that these gifts are given in the way that God gives them for the purposes that God gives them. And our purpose is to find that out and then to dig in deep in our fellowship and say, so what does God want me to be doing because of that. Now last week, we talked about the gifts that communicate. Um, and uh, again, just uh, 
just to catch you up. Gifts like prophecy, preaching, evangelism, mission, and apostle. This week, we're going to talk about gifts that equip. How is the body equipped? How is the body taught and prepared? And um, we're going to look at three specific gifts this morning. I think they're in there for you, to, um, and these scriptures are alongside of it. But the first is the gift of teaching, and I'd encourage you to study Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. As, you, as we get through all of this, we'll have worked through all the gifts, and there's going to be ways in which we're going to be able to see how we are drawn to certain gifts, or how we have seen that work in our lives. The gift of teaching is the ability to educate God's people clearly applying the Bible. And it is also the ability to equip or train others. So what is happening is that these are the, 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 they, the people who have teaching, equipping gifts have the ability to bring a teachable moment to our lives. They have a way of drawing us into that place where we see clearly who we are and how God has given us these gifts. These gifts aren't to be confused with a, a kind of a, a scolding or, or, or a kind of a, a repeated putting down until you get it right. The gift of, of teaching is, is, is that ability to positively uh, bring to mind and to heart what it is that we're supposed to be. The second gift that we're going to look at, this, that we're looking at this morning, is the gift of encouragement. You see, it not only takes teachers, but once we've learned something, it takes constant encouragement for us to think about and have the, the courage or the bravery to go forward with the gift. Okay? Encouragement is people who will motivate us to apply and act upon what we've learned. So there are people that are given to our lives that will enable us and encourage us and kind of just push us out of the nest, so to speak. Again, this is, this is especially if you're wavering or discouraged or you're not sure it comes as a challenge, not as a negative challenge, but as a positive challenge to be your best self. Encouragers always encourage you to be everything that God intended you to be. So again, this gift isn't to be confused with manipulation. This should be a motivational gift in our hearts. And the, and the last piece that, that helps for equipping is the gift of wisdom. And the encouragement gift is found in Acts 14.22. The, the wisdom gift is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and 6, verse 16. Um, wisdom is the ability, once we've learned and we've been encouraged to continue to discern how God is working in our lives. This discernment leads us to take that gift and use it and to share it in the places where we need to go. Wisdom is God's perspective. It is the ability to explain not only what we should do, 
but how we should do it. And our wisdom people in the congregation can help us with this. They can show us by, by that kind of encouragement. This is not to be confused with those who can't wait to give you their pushy advice. Okay? It, uh, the, 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 the kind of, it, this is not to be confused with the know-it-all in the congregation. We don't have any of those here. No, don't worry about that. Uh, or, or any of that. It is rather a comfort and a hope that waits for you to ask for their wisdom. Wow. See, that's wisdom. We begin to know these people. We begin to see these people in our congregation. And it's key to the whole equipping process because as we're going to find out, um, the whole idea of, um, of equipping has to happen in community. It happens as we relate and live with one another. So there are two fruits that go with these. And let me remind you of the fruits of the Spirit out of Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We looked at uh, love and kindness last week. The two fruits that help equippers are kindness and self-control. All right. Now we've all survived. Uh, uh, it, it, you can ask anyone that's that's gone through uh, the public school system. And we can't say this much about uh, uh, homeschooling because then we'd be kind of gnawing on our parents a little bit here. But we've all survived bad teachers, right? Somehow you survived that. But, but I, I would imagine that many of you have a story, I know I do, of a couple of really good teachers that just turned the corner for me. Right? And for, uh, for a young boy that was dyslexic and hard to keep my attention focused on anything, I needed a teacher that just kind of saw me once instead of the troubled student in the room with kindness. And it changed everything for me. Um, kindness uh, is what brings about the power to equip and teach. Paul says further about this in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 24. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he or she must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. You see, the impatient teacher becomes resentful, begins to ask the question, why don't they get it? Right? And those of us on the other side of that who don't get it can't explain it either. That's why we have a teacher, right? If we knew this stuff. And so Paul is gearing into something really important here. That impatience never allows us to equip, but kindness does. In fact, most people feel our judgment before they can hear our encouragement. They just feel it. This is, a, this is an important word to, uh, to a church like ours that wants to rebirth and, and move in, in this new kind of direction. The second fruit is self-control. And Peter talks about this in his first epistle, 
chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and he says, The end of all things is near. That's always a good way to start. The end is coming, and everyone just kind of stops. It's an E.F. Hutton moment. So whenever this kind of wording is used, you ought to just underline everything that's after it. So the end, and this is what he says. Perfect moment to, um, you know, to berate someone, to shame someone, to guilt someone. But here's what he says. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You see... In almost every case in my life, when I am not self-controlled, I am not putting love into action. Self-control, telling self, get control of yourself. Don't act like the, the, the person, I almost said the idiot across the table. See, that's, that's why, you know, that, that's, that's just where I'm rolling, right? The person across the table. If you're really not liking the way they're acting, don't jump in and act like them. If that really hits a nerve, that's not license. That's grab a hold of thyself. Self-control. Self-control means that we're putting love into action. Put plainly, we simply can't shout people into the church or growth or maturity or into their spiritual gift. You can't do it. That kind of urgency is going to miss the mark every time. It does remind me of my favorite, and probably one of the, the if you've ever read Aesop's fables, one of the fables that you remember the most. And it was the north wind and the sun challenged each other to get the guy walking down the street to take off his jacket. And the north wind blew on this guy, you know, because he's going to blow the jacket right off of him. And what did he do? He scrunched it all down and held tight. But the sun, when it came to the sun's turn, just brightly shined and gave all of its love. And the guy said, oh, it's hot out here. I'm going to take off my jacket. It's powerful that somehow self-control can make the whole thing different. So, if you are one that has one of these equipping gifts, two things you want to, if you want to equip, two things to keep in mind. Be self-controlled and, and full of love and kindness so that you can be praying. And the second is this. Identify yourself with God's interest in people. Ask yourself this. God, what's your interest in this person, instead of the reverse that we often go to, which is our kind of knee-jerk reaction. Identify God with your interest in other people. I don't know if you've had the, as ministers, we, we get this happen all the time. God told me to tell you something. Oh, really? I'll just wait for God to tell me. You see, we sometimes have identified how we want people in the church to do things, and they may not be God's interest. It may be ours. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 13. How does this equipping take place? How does this work in the 
church and, and in, in, in our ability to do things. Well, it works by those, it takes place by those who are able to equip. And so the first thing I want to say, the good news is, there are people already sitting, and they may not know this yet, but that's okay, you know, for such a time as this, um, that are already ready to equip. There are people in here who have, who have the gifts and the fruit to equip. They, they, have, they have found this in their, their own life. This is what Paul says uh, in verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now I know that's a rather large list that most of us don't want to butt in on. But putting that aside, he's saying that I have already, in fact all of us have the gifts and the fruits at our disposal right now. But first and foremost, there are people who are able right now. Three things to consider. Have we identified them? Have we affirmed them? Have we said, yes, I see those gifts in you. Yes, I'm affirming those gifts in your life. And, 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 I, and I can identify that, I can affirm that. And have we empowered them? And here's how they're empowered. When you go to such a one and say, help me. That's how the empowering takes place. All of us need to find the equippers in the church that can help us to find our place in the church. How does equipping take place? By those who are then willing to be equipped. Listen to verse 12. He, they're here, all these people, he's listed in verse 11, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built Almost all of us are in some place of being equipped. Even pastors can be equipped by other parishioners in the church. And that's the way it should be. We should all be ready to be willing and open and teachable for this equipping. Now, here's the problem. Equipping is difficult. It's difficult work because in order to be equipped, you have to be shown in some way, shape, or form by the Holy Spirit, what's not working in your life in order for you to detach from that and grab on to what is working in your life. So can you just think about that? So there's a, there's a, a detachment and a replacement quality to being equipped. If I could detach from the way I've always done it, uh, and, and, and most of us have little things in our lives that we've always done it that way, but the, the best we can do is expect different results, and it keeps backfiring. So detaching from that and replacing it with the things that God will give us. The, the focus here that's really important for us to understand is that the, the fruit bearing of giftedness and fruit is very much like its predecessor in the real world. When does the tree or the plant in your yard bear fruit? It begins to bear fruit when it gets hot enough for that fruit to get sweet. When the ground is starting to get hard because there hasn't been water and, 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 and the days are dusty, all of a sudden, I grew up out in the Fresno area so I know a lot about this. I got out one year and thought I was going to pick grapes. Ooh, yeah, someone said, oh, Wow, seven cents a tray. A tray is about the size of two of these chairs laid out on the ground. 
Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I, I, after doing that for a week or so, my dad asked me again if I wanted to go to college. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Without a doubt, sir. Uh, we're, we're doing something else besides that, you see. That's when the fruit comes off. The fruit comes off at the stress. Our congregation may be at a stress point in order to produce a fruit that we've never seen before, which is kind of exciting. Thirdly, equipping takes place by those who are willing to seek unity and maturity. So listen to the rest of the verse. Until we reach, the building up until we reach unity and maturity and faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. You see, unity and maturity is going to best uh, something less. Maybe we would settle for more attendance, bigger offerings, new programs, uh, some kind of worldly success. We might be willing right now to trade in everything for what might look like a successful church, but not be anything close to what is God's will for our church. Think about that for a moment. You see, because unity is focused on unconditional love and forgiveness. That if we continue to work on unconditional love and forgiveness as we approach that healing service at the end of the month. And maturity is trusting in God. I've used this quote several times. I say it to myself a couple times a week. God is always good no matter what I think. Because there's a lot of times when I'm thinking God's really not on his game today. He's really not helping me out. And I am always loved no matter how I feel. Poor Pastor Jeff. No one likes me. And, and you see, maturity is to get over that and say, I just wonder if God is beyond my feeling and my thinking. I think so. If I could, forg- if I could figure out God and tell Him to you, you should be bolting for the door. It is, it is not given to the small brains of men to know and explain who God is to someone else but to introduce them to this merciful, graceful, powerful God that is changing your life, that others see, and they say, what are you doing? Well, we step out of the way and say, this is God. This is the God of the cross. This is the hope. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Unity and maturity builds community. And this is, the, this is the point that I really want to stick today. We're going to find our essential identity in the gifts and fruits of the Spirit because we're with one another. We're having this con- congregational conversation. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to get out a, a study book for you that gives you an assessment tool, gives you all these verses that we've been talking about. Uh, and you can begin to just open up the study. You, many of you probably have a sense of your giftedness, but this is, and, and it's not going to do any good to take that book to a room in your house and do it by yourself. You're going to want to start talking to your family and your spouse. I'm reading these things. Is this me? Uh, uh, people in your home fellowship. And essentially, we need to have unity and maturity enough to do that together. So, by way of application, this little verse out of Ephesians, 
uh, came to me this work. And it just says this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, there is so much in this verse, but I just love how God is being God over the whole thing. Like, before the foundation of the earth, not only was Jesus crucified, rose for our, for our salvation, God knew who would receive salvation and, and already gifted you. Long, you know, in your mother's womb, you were knit together. Is that amazing? God is so powerfully ahead of the ball game. Three things here real quick. Let God love you. It says here, we are God's. Don't let your inabilities, your ignorance, your lack of information, or any of those things get in the way of letting God love you. God says, I am yours. I love that song. Uh, we, we, are, we are God's children. I am no longer a slave to fear. I love that song. I am a child of God. Let God love you in this process. Don't get on the dark side of this as if somehow you don't know and Pastor Jeff's given us too much stuff every week. Just keep asking for help. Just keep getting yourself. Move to the center of where this is going for you. Let God change you. Hey, this is really cool. For we are God's workmanship. You know what that word workmanship in the Greek is literally? We are God's poem. You are God's literary art masterpiece, is what Paul's trying to say. You are God's most beautiful sculpture of who humanity should be infused with the power of the Spirit and the glory of Jesus. Let God change you into that. Don't shortchange yourself and say, I'm going to just be who I am. I am who I am. That's Popeye, you see. Uh, what, what we're supposed to be is created and then recreated. And don't, let, don't, don't let the thief talk you out of that. Be and let that happen. And then uh, uh, use, let God use you. That's the last part of this, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Good works. If God loves us, if God changes us, if God uses us, then we're, we find ourselves in a, in a new place uh, all the way around. Um, last week I did a, what I called a profile in, in the Holy Spirit. And we used Jesus' example about how he was meek. And, and this week's profile is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. This simple statement in John 3.30, where, where John says, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. Wow. If, if we were to focus on our spiritual gifts and say, I must let go of my best plans, my best ideas, in order to see God do something new in me. Would you be willing to let it go? Would you be willing to let that have its heart in you so that God could love you, change you, 